0: This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They act as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that grow your business. For a free workshop, email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com. Now here's your host, Pat Whalen. On this episode of our podcast, I speak with Carly Schalk. She's the co-founder of The Urban Element. She shares with us many lessons she has learned along the way, including the importance of empowering your team, Why she and her business partner, who is also her life partner, jumped into the business feet first, and the lessons they learned in those crucial first few years. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for coming on the show, Carly. Thanks, Patrick. Can you, uh, for our listeners that don't know about you or, or The Urban Element, can you tell us a bit about your background, please?
1: Sure. So The Urban Element, we define it as um, a unique culinary experience. So you might ask, what is that? So we essentially took over an old fire station um, with the mindset of bringing together great food experiences for people. So we built an oversized kitchen, put a long communal dining table in it, and we host numerous cooking classes, culinary events, corporate team building, meetings, weddings, cocktail parties, the list goes on so really anything around food and drink and the enjoyment of that coming together
0: and when you say we you, you have a business partner yes I do okay. my
1: husband is my business partner
0: and how long is the urban element uh, been in existence now?
1: Uh, we've been in existence 13 years.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. Wow. Thank
1: you. That's amazing. Over the milestones. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and it was a bite dis- like, I'm curious as to how like it's a pretty unique business. So what was the, what was the, what was the uh, jumping off point that got you into that kind of industry category?
1: Sure. So my background is hospitality with uh, food and hotel background management. Um, I have a commerce degree. So right out of university, I came right into the hotel world very quickly found out that that wasn't the scene for me and gravitated towards a small business in Toronto. So a woman was running um, a very unique uh, concept, very likened to what we do today. Uh, So I was smitten. So it was a cooking school, an event space. So I ran her school for about five years. And really, I think that's where the entrepreneurial bug bit me um, because I had a hand in doing so much. Um, I really love the day-to-day operations, working with the clients, figuring out challenges, problems, and it led me to think at that point I could capitalize on those skills uh, on my own. And um, so my husband and I decided to take a leap of faith. We left uh, the Big Smoke and landed in Ottawa. Here,
0: <laughs> and 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 uh, if you don't mind me asking, why Ottawa? Was there did you think that the that the business would do well in Ottawa? Was that why the move to Ottawa, or was there other circumstances involved? Th-
1: that's a question we get asked a lot. Actually, yeah. everyone says, "Why Ottawa? Why did you leave Toronto with all those great opportunities for expansion?" And really, at the point, we wanted a new market. We knew that. I mean, we we had been I had been contacting some restaurateurs prior to coming to the city and asking them, "What's the temperature? What's the tone?" what are people looking for and really trying to get an understanding of the landscape. So I have some uh, family ties in the area. So we had been visiting Ottawa and and we knew it was a lovely city and it offered um, indoor and outdoor recreation and more of a work-life balance than we were getting in Toronto and we thought, you know what, I think that we can make a difference here and there was something attractive about being first to market in terms of the kind of business concept we were bringing to the city.
0: And your hospitality training that you had, I, I find that I've met a number of people from that background, and I, I studied that at Algonquin for a very short period of time. But isn't it great training for, for anything service-related if you're going to go into that line of work?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I can't... Uh... You know, to to marry, though, a commerce degree and have almost that, that hands-on, intrinsic kind of training, we were uh, asked to run a restaurant before we graduated. We had on-the-spot co-op training. Um, I went right into the world of Hotel with Canadian Pacific at the time, which is now Fairmont. So great foundation of training of customer service. I mean, it was just a, a, a leap board for me, really, to come into to be ready to go right into industry. So I think that foundation has helped build and, and, Build some skills for me and my staff over the years. I, I land on that often. Yeah.
0: And did you and your husband? Did you both? Did you both go into it full time right away, or did one of you kind of hang back and and had some form of steady income coming into this?
1: No, we both we both we both jumped in feet first. Nice. Uh, it was a, a bit of a leap of faith. I mean, it was it was very difficult getting financing, uh, especially for a food based restaurant business. The banks really are not. Looking to back uh, that kind of risky model, um, so it really took a lot of grit to to pull those finances together and get our plan solid. So when we were actually there, we said, "Listen, we're both going to be a part of this. This is 100% our future. We have one shot to do it. We're going to do it really well. So we need to unite and make that happen."
0: Would you what, what advice would you give to someone in a similar situation? Would you go with, it, "Hey, both both of you jump in." You know, and, and go for it, or would you say one of you pull, one of you stay back?
1: Well, I think it really depends on the situation because in our case, uh, my husband had been had left. Uh the business he was working for. So he grew up in an entrepreneurial family himself and worked for the family business. Um, after that business um, sort of evolved and took a different shape, he left. And so he was he was left looking for the next thing. So in our situation, it was more circumstantial that he was looking to sink his t- teeth into something you know, bigger and better for himself and was ready to build the blocks there. I myself had already had the experience of understanding how that concept ran, what we wanted to capitalize on. So we were both really well positioned. So in terms of giving advice to others about that, I think it's really circumstantial. I I think it's tricky these days to be financially sound together and start off with that kind of big undertaking. So the conservative part of me would tell someone, no, listen, <laughs> right. baby steps and chip away. And I mean, the students that I work with, and we can talk about that a little later right now in the business uh, school, uh, certainly they, they want to put all the chips on the table at, at first. And, and, and we really talk about how, you know, you need to maybe work in the industry, build your resources, your finances. So the conservative part of me would say, you know what, maybe at the time that was good for us, but it really was a big risk and it could have gone the, the, the other
0: direction. One of the consistent themes on this show, Carly, is I often talk about um, how Dragons Den and Shark Tank. As mm-hmm. much as I personally love those shows, I at times feel they're doing a bit of dis- a bit of a disservice. That it's a glorification of, like you just said, that uh, you know you may not need the experience as long as you can get that venture capital money, you're going to be okay. But there's a difference between a business that can generate that can get venture capital money and a business that can actually make money. Um, so that's I think that's great advice. That at least you know. Get your feet wet a little bit. Um, I agree within your industry. It's not, and that's not really not even an age thing. No, I think it's just a question of experience. Get some contacts lined up, and start to establish yourself. I, I would argue, you know, before you jump in and, and do that leap of faith.
1: Right. Very few people have that luxury of getting. Access to those funds right away and being able to leave what they have behind and move forward with that. But again, it's expanding your networks and resources and using the time to work in the industry to even figure out whether or not this is the route you want to go because so many businesses obviously fail because I think people have a different idea of what it's going to be.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because one of the things in any post secondary institution that I look for when I'm recommending to younger people is try to find a place that'll give you some kind of cooperative opportunity. Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier that I took that hospitality right. course. It was a two-year program. I took one year of it and then I had my summer co-op placement and I did not have a good experience. And so I didn't finish that second year, but I'm so grateful that I figured that out then before I finished and then thought that this was going to be my career move and Uh, you know, and that would have just thrown off the, the, the trajectory of my career.
1: Right. And I'm sure you've heard the term before, the serial entrepreneur, right? So that can work in both ways. So whether or not someone's a serial entrepreneur in terms of building and capitalizing on ideas and innovation, but there's also a part of that where you see people leapfrogging from one idea to the next, but floundering along the way. And they're really not taking the time to study the industry, like you say, work in it, build the contacts and resources and really build something that's fundamentally sound and ready to, to move forward. So
0: So is the business that you have today, is it what you envisioned when you when you started?
1: It has, I would say ninety percent of it. it I really believe, you know, in terms of my industry and the hospitality industry, innovation is obviously key to sustainability, right? I mean, the food industry, especially in Ottawa, has changed changed the landscape so quickly, even over the last 10 years, improved for the better. Um, And that's because, you know, there's a lot of great stakeholders coming to the table and trying to push what the standards are in food and what we do. So the evolution of our business has really, uh, you know, sought to, to keep up with that or be a leader in the industry and trying things and changing the way we operate to sort to serve our clients, um, to meet our food philosophies and things like that. So I would say the essence and the philosophy of our vision has stayed intact over the years. We certainly stay true to if we can't do it well, we won't do it. That's a big mandate for us. We know our limitations and capabilities, and that's that's tricky sometimes in a in in rapid growth because you are uh, enticed to want to push and take on but you need to know and understand the capabilities of your team and your resources to know whether or not you can execute because in my mind if you can't execute that well really that's the impression you're making on your clients and so we've we've managed to focus on those capabilities and stay within the realm of our
0: competencies. Is there any advice you'd give to the uh, to the current entrepreneur that that is not clear on their team's capabilities? Is there certain uh, techniques or tips that you, that oh. can help them figure that out or, it, or you just have to kind of go through it
1: oh the HR questions right so <laughs> right. it would it, it's people it really comes down to people so that's a huge investment we've made in in our business and and a priority that I have uh, placed on on our company over the last couple of years is really seeking out the best um, in terms of HR dynamics and team dynamics. Um, that's something that never really goes away. I think in business, uh, there's coming to the table of different personalities, obviously in skills, and there's competing resources within that framework. But really. Our mentality has been seek out and hire and retain the best possible and really get to know your employees in terms of what are they looking for. Um, What's important to me and our company is growth opportunities. So, um, for instance, when I came back from maternity leave, um, I had a, a fantastic colleague taking over my role. And so when I came back, you know, instead of saying, let's put this all back on my plate. I said, you know, you're, you're doing a better job than I did with it. And you've really uh, grown in that role. So let's keep going. So I reworked and repackaged what I was contributing to the company then. And it's actually been a great thing because it's allowed me to spread my wings a little bit more because I have competent people. And was that
0: tough for you to do that? I mean, you know, to kind (laughs) of, I I don't want to say park an eagle, but, but to a certain extent, I mean, that's, you, you know, sometimes as entrepreneurs, we think we're indispensable, right? Oh, that you do. We, right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was really tricky. I thought that I would be back after six months having my son ready to go. I mean, that wasn't the case. It was 15 months later. Um, so that was the toughest lef- lesson for me to le- learn to let go and understand that, yeah I, everyone's replaceable really at the end of it, right? The business yeah. heartbeat does does go on and um, but everyone's contribution, you know makes a difference in a different capacity. But in terms of the workload, in terms of uh, the team, and, I mean, but that was an epiphany for me actually at the same time because uh, I realized, okay, like we might be at the heart of this company, but we have strong players around us that want to leverage what we do and take the business, you know, to, to new growth. So it was, um, it was really great experience for me in the end.
0: And what a great lesson to learn at any time in, in your entrepreneurial life. But it sounds like that was more at the beginning of where you're at now, right? Like that was in the first five to six years. Is that That's right. Yeah. So what a great time to learn that lesson as opposed Absolutely. to 20 years later when you go, oh my God, all this time I could have had oh. my staff taking on more responsibilities or I could have had more time for myself or, um, and you know, before you and I went live, we talked about, it's in our nature to be control freaks right. as entrepreneurs. So good for you for being able to let that go and to recognize that, you know what, someone Else can do this, and maybe even better than I can.
1: Right, and there's you know you must be aware of the book, the E Myth, of, of course, the yeah. classic, which I was encouraged to read uh, in earlier professional years, and that was really eye opening to me too. So I reference that book quite often, yeah. and uh, bring it back to say, you know, we are as entrepreneurs, maybe the visionaries and whatnot, we're not cut out to do everything, and we need to get past that ego. Um, and I think that's a barrier for a lot of entrepreneurs going into business where. Um, they they're are very short sighted in the sense that they, they feel that they can't delegate and give on and trust. So um, I think people that recognize that, you know, growth is possible with sharing
0: that um, they'll do well. What, what, what do you do to, to keep your fingers, excuse me, on the pulse of the business? This episode of the Ottawa entrepreneurs podcast is brought to you by extension marketing. Extension marketing acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies to grow your business email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com to procure free one-hour marketing consultation to grow your business
1: certainly I uh, don't slow down for a second professional developments big for me uh, personal growth and uh, connecting with people so to keep the pulse on the business it's checking in we I have a very dynamic schedule. Um, I am at Urban Element uh, portion of the week. We have a contract at a university uh, in the city. I teach part-time at the college. So every day is a little bit different for me. So I'm seeing new people every day and I'm keeping in touch with industry colleagues. We often meet for coffee, share ideas. Um, I t- attend as much as I can right now more professional development to be able to stay on top of the trends. What are people saying? You know, uh, Where's the talent these days? So for me, it's just the connect and the social interactions part of the job
0: is it safe to say that you know you mentioned that you're you're basically doing a lot of learning on a regular basis? I know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing the same thing mm-hmm. I'm of the belief a successful entrepreneur also has to be committed to being a lifelong learner would you mm-hmm. agree with that statement
1: absolutely I think the example that I have is I actually left University early to take a job uh, with a hotel on the East Coast, and uh, I I I sort I got involved in that world so much so when I came back to Toronto, I thought, you know what, I'm only four courses away to my degree, and maybe I really don't need this because I have my life skills, but um, I was pushed uh, by my partner at that time to continue, and I was really glad I did. So I learned two lessons at that point in my 20s that... Um, adult learning is fun and I really wish everyone could go to school maybe during that time because I really think your brain is fired up in the right ways then. And I was just really turned on from everything that I was was learning and and engaging with. So that was a great lesson to me that, you know, it never ends. And so I promise myself and I think this is is excellent now that I can be involved with um, teaching students uh, and sharing experiences and learning new things about them that keeps me sharp. And, and keeps me with my vision in my business.
0: Is that one of the reasons why you're, do, you're doing the teaching on a part-time basis?
1: Well, I started thinking over the last couple of years, you know, what's a meaningful way to impart maybe the knowledge and the experience that I have on it. And I found it really interesting that, again, I get as much from the students as hopefully I'm, I'm giving them. Um, you know, learning about, uh, you know, new industry, um, their pursuits, strengths, uh, building, capitalizing on new ventures. I mean, this is also interesting for me and, and keeps me in touch with so much more than than my little food and beverage world, right? So I love learning about that and learning about what's possible out there and what people are really focusing on.
0: For you, I mean, it sounds like a really nice way to give back.
1: It is. It's, yeah. been, it's been really meaningful for me too. And it's really nice when I hear from the students and I hear how... Um, Our interactions have touched them. Um, We stay in touch. Um, I often encourage mentorship beyond the classroom, Beyond graduation, so that's a really great way for me to really see the progress.
0: Nice. Yeah. You mentioned the myth, uh, the myth yes. book. Is there any other books that you've read or that have influenced you from a business perspective that you'd recommend to our listeners?
1: Well, the Stephen Covey, of course, the Seven Habits. Uh, I go, I go too often. It's sort of like a water, do- or what do you <laughs> call it, a dog-eared uh, bath book, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I pull that out every now and again. But really, I'm, I'm just. Um, reading articles online a lot more and really expanding. I mean, I always seem to go back to HR because HR is a bit of a, you know, either you have the magic touch there. And I really feel that we, we, I I hope, I would hope that my employees would say we do a good job of keeping, you know, the open door policy and communications, but there's always, you know, people are funny because uh, no matter how welcoming or open door policy you might have in your company, there's always those that, uh, will not take advantage of that and you really need to stay on top of that or else you know the culture of the company which is so important to the essence of what you're doing and the services you're delivering you know keeping people happy and thriving and and, and really understanding where they're at in their lives I mean yes you work with them professionally but there's a whole other side of personal going on so for me um, you know when you ask about the books and articles I mean I'm, I'm diving into the world of HR a lot more now and really trying to understand what p- makes people tick Um, And how to meet those needs in the company.
0: Nice. And it's such a great time to be a learner. I mean, you know, think of it no matter. We we have a guy here in the office that, you know, he he doesn't read. He doesn't like to read. Mm -hmm. But between YouTube videos and online, like there's just so many other ways to, to gather or get this information, whether it's going to Algonquin part-time, full-time or doing online courses, or, uh, it's a far cry from the days of, you know, 20, 30 years ago when you went to the library and that's, you know, that was your only really resource to outside of school to, to learn something.
1: Absolutely. And I love the way you put that. It's, it is a great way to be, a great time to be a learner. There's so many ways that you can touch into that.
0: Nice. Um, your first five years in the business, um, is, there, is there one or two lessons you'd pass on to our any listeners that are in that kind of sweet spot right now where they're either in startup mode or they're just not quite at that five-year mark?
1: I think one thing that, if I was to go back and, and take a look at this again, I think we underestimated the power of marketing. Um You're so caught up in the first couple of years of just staying afloat and cash flow and uh, building your team and you're working so hard. And if you're lucky, like we were in the beginning, people were coming out of the woodwork. I mean, we were a new concept on the scene that was attractive. So just by um, the newness of being the new kid on the block, you know, we attracted a really solid um, clientele and we built on that. And so I think we, for the first couple of years, we were really living in that world and not leveraging uh, marketing resources to tap into continue to build. So we were just relying on the incoming calls. Um, and then in 2008, when the economy hit mm-hmm. us all, uh, we had a reality check there because there was a significant portion of our client base that uh, whether companies were just in the impression of not spending money and, and doing um luxurious affairs and, and laying that out, which, you know, was a, a large part of our revenue stream as corporate entertaining. Uh, and, and we took a hit there. So we, we looked at, okay, so, you know, we built our base around this, but when the base collapses, who else do we have? So we actually work with two segments. We have a cooking school, which really focuses on the public interaction and then we have the corporate side of it. So we realized at that time that those two segments are, are married and they're interrelated, but we also had one as the fallback. So we, we knew that we needed to get out uh, and get our message out and our story out to really build on the client base uh, that we had. So I think it's not in underestimating the power of marketing and putting aside dollars for marketing in the first couple of years. Generally, when your resources are taxed, that's the last thing. Uh, it's so easy though these days with social media, and mm-hmm. but to do it the right way mm-hmm. too, right? To capture the right audience.
0: Well, and and there's so many for listeners out there, you know, that may be intimidated by that statement. For obviously, I agree with Cardi with the other business that I run. It's a marketing agency, but. There are ways to do this that don't cost you a lot of money, if any money at all. Right. And, you know, kind of two things that we always emphasize to any clients that we work with is make sure you have a good referral program, like an mm-hmm. actual proper referral program. doesn't cost you anything to do if you do a property. And to make sure that your existing clients are aware of all of your suite of services that you, that you provide. And if you just do those two things alone, you should see, you should see a jump in your, in your kind of top line revenue. I agree. Um, you didn't spend a dime to do either one of those. So don't be intimidated by what Cardi said. Anyone out there listening that, um, and, and yes, there should be a percentage of your of your revenue that is set aside for marketing and it depends on what your needs are and how fast you want to grow the business.
1: That's right. That's um, right. We're yeah. a little bit late to the party realizing all these things are, but sometimes that's the way business flows is that, you know, you get, you build to a certain point and then you have resources for growth and expansion and you decide to put that, that money into those areas. And uh, so we were a little slow coming to the table on that, but we've been really lucky in the sense that. Uh, we've built a really good repeat loyal client base and we're able to capitalize on that. But now is the time, uh, you know, over 10 years in the business, hit that milestone. Where can we go now? Building yeah. capacity for sustainability.
0: So is the, is the intent of the business now, Cardi, you're past the 10-year mark. Mm-hmm. Is it is it as much of a lifestyle business as it is a... Uh, and by lifestyle, I don't necessarily mean you're sitting on a beach every day, but but is it is it at the point now where it, it's really more about that? Because it sounds like you're you're doing other interesting things now, whether it's teaching or, and we'll get into it a bit, but some of the work that you're doing in the community. Is that the, state that the stage that the business is at now?
1: You know what? It's still a really, I call it a, a really big, small business. It's a family business. It's a working business. I mean, this is a business that my husband and I have dedicated all our time and effort to. I myself may not be spending the same amount of time in the business as I had previously. But what's interesting about that is that it's allowed my husband some opportunities to sink his teeth into some different areas that maybe I was looking after. And now he has been able to grow and take on responsibility there, which has been good for us as partners and in a relationship too. So those changes um, are organic and and i have i have the need to grow and spread my wings so because of the capabilities of the team i can but no getting back to that we really are still working and what i call it is you know we're still hustling every day i mean right. it's a hustle out there right yeah, to, yeah. to get and keep the business that you have um so there's not one minute i don't put my my head on the pillow at night and i don't think about what's happening at urban element tomorrow who's here who's over there i mean that's still that place through my mind that never goes away
0: is there is there any advice you'd give to someone that is struggling with with kind of balancing this whole thing? You know, it's it's a very common theme, right? Mm-hmm. Re- really interesting the way you put that. That you know, even when you're going to bed at night, I mean, that's your thought, right? You're thinking about the business, but you, obviously, after all these years, you've you've. I, I assume you figured out certain ways to help at least to manage that a little bit, or do you just accept it as Mm -hmm. is? I'm I'm curious your thoughts on that.
1: Sure. I think it's inevitable in the first couple of years. If you're not working 24-7 on your business, really, what are you doing it for? I mean, that's nothing... That I would go back and change. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change the amount of effort or time. And at times, I think it. You know, it drives you crazy and it stresses you out to the max, like beyond. And it tests your capabilities and your relationships and everything else that's going around you. But that is exactly what's needed. I, I would. I would never, um, you know, allude that it's otherwise with anyone. Uh, so. Although that, that doesn't go away, it changes. It just changes. The demands are changes. The, the stress changes. It's different. So, but realizing that not to short fuse within that is really important because if you can't keep your head as the owner operator, the coolness, if you can't have your downtime, if you can never get away from your business you're really not able to serve your business well or even yourself because you're going to be sick and not be around to be there for your business, which is why you're doing that. And your employees need you as well. So, and I also think that it's modeling behavior too. So it's, you know, if your employees at a certain point, I think, you know, not in the first couple of years, but if, you know, as the business grows and they can see that you ease up, you're delegating and giving them responsibility, you're able to pump the brakes every now and again. You're able to Uh, empower people and grow it it fosters a more uh realistic sort of viewpoint of what it is so like there's time to dig in and there's time to relax and so one thing we always do in our company um is we close so there's one time in the year we we close down and and it's from it's the it's the christmas holidays december 23rd and we don't open until the first monday in january and we really no matter over the years we get enticing offers for people that want to throw us money and say open up for new year's and let's do a big party and we say no not at not at not at not for the, uh, the sanity of our staff. So again, that work-life balance is, you know, understanding that we all need to turn it off. And, we, and that's the only time, to be honest, I can really sleep soundly, <laughs> is over the holidays because I know the doors are locked and no one is calling me. Yes.
0: Well, I read a, gr- a great quote uh, by Tony Robbins. He talks about that if you own a business, it's not about work-life balance. It's about work-life integration. Mm-hmm. And it really stuck with me and I've never, mm-hmm. maybe that expression has been out there before, but it's the first I I've certainly heard or, or, or seen that. And it, to me, it really does sum it up that you, you can't have this as two separate things, but can you, can you co-manage them?
1: Right. Right. You know, and, oh, I believe that a hundred percent. I yeah. think that's a great way to put it.
0: Yeah. Um, we're almost out of time, um, but before we let you go, uh, can you tell us a bit about what uh, about what your company does uh, in terms of giving back and, and, and work in the community?
1: Sure, so we are really lucky to live in a neighborhood that we have a lot of innovation happening and um, one of the uh, organizations that we love to collaborate with and support is the Parkdale Food Centre in Hintonburg. Uh, they are doing great things um, you know, breaking down barriers of not to be sort of defined as a food bank at all. This is a community center for people to give people life skills uh, to empower them and how to, you know, and and really their mandate is good food should be there for all. So, you know, we have that mandate too in our company as well as is is good food and accessibility and sharing. And so that's really the, the essence of community. Um, and on a side note, in terms of, you asked me about giving back uh, as well and, you um, we just launched a new food literacy program for for students in schools. It's called Cultivating Cooks. So, a chef partner and I have developed a food literacy program where we go into the schools. We're hoping that uh, the Ottawa boards really uh, pick this up, and we we feel that food literacy deserves a spot in schools and giving students life skills about uh, you know the food projects Production cycle, uh, growing their own food, and then uh, cooking skills and and, and cooking with that food. So, um, we're doing that right now to slowly build. It's a slow burn right now, amongst the other projects we're doing, but we're hoping that that will leave a legacy of some impact and and give some food for thought, uh, no pun intended, to (laughs) to the school boards.
0: Now, has that been launched yet? Yes. Oh, good. Congratulations. It's been two years. I love the name, by the way. Thank you. That's great. Really, really nice. Thanks. Thanks so much for taking the time to be on our show. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Pam.